0: This is the Sporting KC show on Sports Radio 810
1: WHB. It falls to on The volley! What a finish! Johnny Kinda has struck. It falls to Polito and he puts it in. To Johnny Russell, first-time shot, and Johnny Russell has a hat trick. The Sporting KC show is brought to you by Michelob Ultra superior light beer with only 95 calories and 2.6 carbs. Michelob Ultra, find your fit. Now your host, Nate Buchanan. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC Soccer Sports Radio 810 WHB. Wherever you get your podcasts, we appreciate you subscribing, downloading, downloading, listening, liking, all those things, telling your friends, and uh, we appreciate Michelob Ultra for being our sponsor. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Nate Katie, along with Allie Trost. Allie, how are you?
2: I'm doing well, Nate. I'm uh, excited for a big week of soccer, not oh, just sporting man. Kansas City, but some U.S. Men's National Team.
1: Yeah, we got we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Coming up on the show, we're going to talk with Charles Bohm, who wrote a piece, uh, this week about that World Cup qualifying campaign that starts on Thursday. We will get into it in depth with him. Coming up in the next segment. And then we'll talk with Scott French, who covers LAFC. That's the next opponent for Sporting Kansas City. Right smack in the middle of that international window. <laughs> Sporting will be without a couple of players. LAFC will be without a couple of players, but still a big game in the West. Coming up on Friday night, so we'll preview that. So, while we have the time, let's start off by rewinding to this past weekend. Sporting Kansas City won Colorado Rapids won for the eighth time this year. Sporting fall behind one nothing at home. Uh, They've only lost one of those eight times, but settling for more draws than they would want to at Children's Mercy Park as well. What was your biggest takeaway from the game, Allie?
2: Just the fact that this team has yet again been able to come back from a trailing position and earn points it's not an easy thing to do and it's definitely something that shouldn't be overlooked of course you want to if you're sporting Kansas City get more wins on your home field it's it's been great that they've been able to go out on the road and do that but you know it's a long season and, and as many points as you can get Collect as you get closer to the playoffs, they all count. Um, and with Sporting not having won a game at home since June 26, I, I know it's something that the fans and the players want to get back to. But I talked with Kerry Zavagnin today just about the team's ability to come back when falling from behind. And, you know, it's something that the technical staff, when you look at what goes into making a championship team. That is definitely something that ranks very high on the list of qualities that you want in a team that's going to make it all the way to that that final game and that championship. And so it's a great quality. Sporting's been able to do it with quite a bit of roster rotation that we've seen as well with injuries, international duty. They've been able to tap into that depth and really not fall off um, too much at all. But you know that was just a game where the goals just didn't come, but the chances were there. The chances were there, and especially the way the team responded in that second half. I think is what we're used to seeing with a Sporting Kansas City team just unfortunate that they couldn't find the back of the net.
1: To me, it was a preview of what we're going to see in the playoffs uh, because that, that's a good Colorado Rapids team. Yeah. I think you heard from the sporting players that you interviewed after the game. They all were quick to say, hey, look, that's a good team. And they had their chances, too. Oh, a couple yeah. of them in the second half. Like,
2: they, if anything, Colorado would probably be more disappointed with the quality of chances that they missed than yeah. sporting did.
1: Yeah, I mean, they had two on the that, that hit the woodwork in the second half. Of course, Johnny Russell had the one that just danced right on the line. They got cleared off. So they were both there. Um, but I think that, that the thing you mentioned, for me – it's a couple things. Number one, their ability to come back bodes well because you're going to find yourself facing adversity at some point in the playoffs, and do you have the, the medal to come back? This team's proven that time and time again they do. And the ability to win on the road. They've shown that as well. Unless they get the top seed overall, they're going to have to go win a road game somewhere uh, to make it to MLS Cup and win it. Um, and and they've, they've proven time and time again they can do that. They've got to find a solution to this problem of falling behind one nothing, and they all know it. I'm not saying anything yeah. they don't know. Nobody knows the answer to to it, I think they're going to keep searching for it. We'll see if they find that answer down the stretch. A couple things news-wise for Sporting Kansas City as well. They do get Remy Voltaire, and and I'm just going to say this on the podcast. I'll say it again on the broadcast as well. We've been calling him Walter all year. Uh, it was brought up to me by by uh, by someone that hey, you know, when when he says his name, he says Voltaire. Um, look, there's a it's a French native speaker. That's how he pronounces his name. I spoke to him about it. He said in general he doesn't really care because everyone calls him Walter here. I said, but how, how how do you say your name? And he said, well, it's Voltaire. And I said, would you prefer us to call you that? He said, that'd be great. So uh, I respect anyone and you know how they want to pronounce their name. I'm going to call him Remy Voltaire. He says he doesn't mind how you want to call him either way, but that's kind of what we're doing going forward there. He'll be back from suspension, which is good, but also Jose Mowry is here now. Now he's got to go through quarantine and all that, but but there are some reinforcements coming in the midfield, which mm-hmm. Sporting really need, right?
2: Yeah, which is, I mean, huge for the Sporting team. Remy said it last week. His goal this next month is to try and get every single player on this roster to a point where even if they're not 90 minutes fit, 45 minutes. Just something to help relieve some of that pressure, especially in certain position groups, the midfield definitely being one of those. But let's just talk about the way that Remy has – Just from what Vermees called one of his best games against LAFC a month ago till now, he's been putting together some dominant performances and has been looking really, really good. That progression and the way that he's acclimated with this group and really getting into rhythm is going to bode really well for this team down the stretch. Um, especially when you consider that they did lose Busio, that they have been dealing with you know some injuries and inconsistency in the middle of the pitch and, and his versatility as well. He's looked great at the six. He's really you know technical and and fantastic on the ball, but he can also play at the eight. So. All of those things are going to be really good for sporting, but that's a that is a big one uh, to get back. And you know, I, I we'll wait and see with Issy when he gets back into the mix, but yet again another performance where Sporting Kansas City earns a result with Andre Ufantas and Elie Sanchez playing alongside one another at center back. It's just been fantastic what the two of them yeah, have been able to do.
1: Their numbers have been great with this back line, so we'll see if they can do it again coming up on Friday night in LA. We'll preview that with Scott French coming up in a little bit. But first, after this break we will talk with Charles Bone. We're going to get deep into this U.S. men's national team qualifying campaign. I'm terrified and incredibly excited <laughs> And, and oddly confident all at the same time. I don't really know what I'm doing with my emotions right now, so maybe we'll see if uh, Charles can help us sort that out as well. We are off and running with this edition of the Sporting Kansas City Show presented by Michelob Ultra. And welcome back on the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC Soccer Sports Radio 810 WHB and wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you download your content, we appreciate you subscribing and liking and telling all your friends about the show and drinking some Michelob Ultra while you're at it. And it's only worth it if you enjoy it. That's uh, Michelob Ultra, our great sponsor. And I might need a couple of Michelob Ultras <laughs> on Thursday night just to calm my nerves. Oh, to get, I might need something a little stronger, honestly. I'll be in
2: LA watching and oh. I'm like, I'm just going to be hold up. I, I don't know if I want to go out and watch the game or if I want to be like hold up in my hotel room and just just like be alone. <laughs> we, we
1: I I, it's like I can't decide if I need to be with someone for emotional support or by myself in case I embarrass myself. We've got uh, we've got Charles Bohm on the show now. You can follow him on Twitter at C Bohm. That's C B O E H M. He wrote a piece that got me going yesterday talking about how look it's it's qualifier bust. There's no there are no excuses for this team this time time around and on the one hand it got me fired up and on the other hand it like it it conjured up all of this emotional wreckage that i have just buried deep at the bottom of the ocean of my soul for the past four years and tried to like you know pretend isn't happening um charles how are you man did you realize that your article could could you know conjure such emotions (laughs) in a fragile person like myself
3: Nate, I'm going to have to warn you. I may have to steal that phrase about about the bottom of the ocean. That was um, that was lyrical prose. <laughs> that just came out the top That's of my amazing. head too. I did not plan that out at all.
1: I just the the <laughs> metaphor. I was feeling it as it was as it was going. <laughs> but um, that I mean, I'm going to tell you something. I, I've been accused of being an overly emotional person more than once in my life. There are moments that leave a mark on you, you know, in your life. And I don't care if people say that that means I'm unbalanced, that a soccer moment left a mark on me. But I will never forget sitting in my basement and my wife was sitting downstairs as I had. I have a three TV setup, so and I was watching all of those games. Uh, and, And obviously the main one, the United States versus Trinidad and Tobago, as, as it just looked right off the bat like, oh my gosh, this is, I could just feel it. This is going to be a disaster when they conceded the first goal. And, and then the rest of the night just spent thinking, what's going to happen? and honestly like I'll, I'll just throw in my own uh, you know personal you know side of that story I had just made a career pivot like a couple years before yeah. that I had been doing basketball baseball football and everything and I made this huge leap decided you know what soccer is my favorite sport and I had been offered the job to do the sport in Kansas City games and it took a lot of thought and you know should I do this should I not and I made this jump and then all of a sudden the whole sport looked like it had just been wrecked and it has been damaged massive massively by that day, or at least the whole qualifying campaign that was culminated by that day. And and I was freaked out and hurt and everything else just because American soccer, it's like it's, there's so much
2: uncertainty. I just yeah. remember feeling like, you know, reading Twitter and seeing everyone's reactions and just being like, where do we go from here and how do we come back from huh. this? And it seemed like such a long road ahead. And then like, Charles, I don't know about you, but just it wasn't a, a question of whether or not the U.S. would be able to bounce back. But I don't think anyone thought it would be. There, that there would be this much confidence and this quick of a turnaround to feel the way that most people collectively feel now.
3: Yeah, well, it was uh, certainly a, a moment that I think anybody who was was watching live in person will, will not forget anytime soon, and it, it, it reverberated uh, even up till now. Right? I mean, the, there's there's only a handful of guys left from that experience from that cycle who are in the, the player pool at the moment. Um, but they, they were getting peppered with questions about it yesterday, and you know they don't love that, right? I mean, even the, the federation sort of promotional uh, slogan that they just launched for this qualifying campaign is only forward, and the, the whole mindset is to try and look ahead and, and not dwell on the past. But you know, I, I mean, I saw the effects um, directly and indirectly, even even in the media space, right? There were there were entities that I work for that, that slashed their budgets or shut yep. down entirely, yep. um, using that that the, the knock on effect of the U.S. not being in that World Cup uh, as a justification. So I think it affected a lot of us. And you certainly see in the sort of fan discourse that, that um, very much a once-bitten, uh, twice-shy uh, vibe, I think. So, so things will be jittery. And uh, I think until this team um, shows that they're on course for qualification, then that's natural. There's, you, know, you can change everything. Um, and which I'm not saying they did right there were there were some, some, something short of wholesale changes in some ways when it comes to the, uh, um, the federation and the program. But even with all the, the the drastic changes that happened, there's no substitute for World Cup qualifying. so, so they're not going to get a chance to really put that behind them uh, until this round of of qualifying gets going and and they they find some success. The good thing is, uh, as Nate referred to the thing I wrote yesterday, is that this is all shaken out uh, in what I think is a very positive, very promising and auspicious scenario for this men's national team at the moment.
1: Okay, We're going to get to those reasons for optimism in a moment, but but as we do focus forward, I I do think one of the things, one of the many different things that that stung so much about that last go-round was that those of us that have been watching closely Especially at the micro level in Major League Soccer, and seeing all the different academies like we have here in Kansas City that are cranking out talent, it, it felt like under the surface this thing is in better shape than it's ever been. But on but on the surface, it's worse than it's ever been, and that's all anybody that's on the out, that we're trying to convince to come pay attention to this sport. That's all they see is what's on the surface. And then this summer, we finally got to see. What what we've been trying to tell people is, is coming along with these young Americans, these young brash Americans taking down uh, – two different groups of young brash Americans taking down uh, their Mexican rivals twice, but again – I think for mainstream America, that stuff still isn't on the surface. They don't care about Nations League. They probably don't even care honestly about World Cup qualifying. They're going to care when the World Cup comes around itself if the team is there
2: or not. Hell, that one that one TV <laughs> sports guy in California was like, "And the U.S. won the World Cup." It's like, no, uh, that was a gold cup actually, yeah. but close. So, so,
1: but People this just is, don't know. Yeah, so like we got to see. Okay, we those of us that believe this has been coming got to see some evidence of, of, of Greg Burhalter doing the right things and these young players they're up for it you know they're up for what they they have what it takes to do this but now now is when it when it really counts now it's go time um so with that in mind charles why do you think this sets up so well for this young group of unproven but incredibly talented americans
3: well to start with you know we have structural changes that you know every world cup cycle is a little different but this one is truly unprecedented because due to the pandemic uh we've had um, a a significant—we have now a larger final phase. There have been eight teams qualified to the final round for Concacaf, rather than six as it had been for decades leading up to this. And then, so that we have more games, um, and and it's all happening in a tighter time frame. This is this whole cycle, which would normally take. Somewhere approaching two years in previous cases is going to be, is going to be happening in under a year, um, and then that's and that's all going to segue into an unprecedented World Cup happening someplace it's never happened before in an environment that it's never happened before at a time of year that has never happened before. Um, and so the, the the biggest direct effect this has on the players is that cramming in extra games in less time means that we're looking at triple match windows, um, which again I, I don't I don't think there's a modern um, equivalent to that. Uh, so. For for example, this week, the the players from all over the world have fallen in for men's national team camp in Nashville. They will fly, tomorrow morning, they will fly south to San Salvador. Then they will play El Salvador on Thursday night. They'll fly back to Nashville. They'll play Canada, which is going to be a, a really tricky matchup. I think tougher than uh, probably some casual fans are aware mm-hmm. of Canada, mm-hmm. uh, and then they fly right back down to South to Central America again. Excuse me to play Honduras and San Pedro Sula, which is traditionally one of the most dreaded uh, road trips uh, right. in Concacaf qualifying. Now, it, it appears that it may not be quite as daunting because there's some COVID um, crowd limitations. It may not be a full house uh, at the Metropolitano down there, but nonetheless, uh, it's an incredibly um, uh, draining, difficult. Trip. I mean, even if you don't count just the amount of travel that they do as a team, much less what they do individually to get there and get back to their clubs looking at somewhere around 5,000-plus miles of air travel in under two weeks. So we we just don't know. I mean, that's a World Cup's worth of travel, right? And and we don't know how that's going to affect players, the flow of the game, all these other things. I mean, they're going to have to rotate, um, and that's getting to sort of advantage the U.S. has. Uh, We now have a younger, deeper player pool than I would say we've ever ever had before. So that means you're going to have young legs. You're going to be able to recover more quickly. You can go deeper down your roster. You can use more players. And these are all – Big advantages, in my opinion, in this in this situation that they're facing, that smaller countries, uh, just don't have. And that's before we even get into um, some of the unfortunate um, COVID knock-on effects. For example, Jamaica is sort of going to be playing with one hand tied behind their back because uh, most of their UK-based players are not going to be allowed um, to go play in all the matches because of these various um, cl- uh, teams they're playing or nat- nations they're playing that are on the UK's red list uh, for COVID and quarantines and so forth. So there's just so many layers that go into all this. And I think right now with the quality that the U.S. have, the depth, the youth, the the fresh start, the vibrant, I think they're in a really good good shape to kind of weather this marathon that we have coming up.
2: So Charles, let's talk about that depth and that youth of this squad and just getting your reaction to the roster that came out. We saw a lot of these guys. um, I, I think most of us had a good idea of what that that core roster would look like after some of the competitions this year but just your reaction to that and and, you know the maybe more surprising names or names that we were expecting to see but like Ricardo Pepe um, just what did you make of it and was there any player that you felt that was left off that maybe should have deserved a spot?
3: Well, I'll start with the second part. Um, we know that there's really talented players who are very recently uh, in the national team picture um, who would, would help this week but are, are not called because they're dealing with unsettled club situations. So I think you guys are probably partial to Gianluca uh, to Busio, right, who, who did pretty well this summer but was given time to settle in and continue his uh, acclamation process in Venezia. Um, I think that probably has... I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, I think Tesla would have been on the bubble anyway, but, but he's in a similar situation. You know, you see Ty just starting and wanting to, to get things going uh, in a positive way there. Same thing goes for Matthew Hoppe, who just today... Completed a deal, a transfer to, uh, I believe it's Mallorca in Spain. Chris Richards, a very talented defender who I think will end up playing a role in, in some upcoming windows. He has a really great skill set, but he's kind of been stuck uh, down the depth chart at Bayern Munich. He is headed back to Hoffenheim uh, for another year long loan where he, uh, he really flourished last season. And so you know you're dealing with situations now where we have these kind of high-level transfer deals happening uh, in big leagues around Europe that involve Americans, and then have this knock-on effect to to the world, the national team, and World Cup qualifying. So that's uh, a good problem to have, I guess you call it a champagne problem in that sense. So um, so even even given all that. To to see how many options Bearhalter has is is significant. And then I should also mention, too, one player who is in camp but is limited at the moment is Christian Pulisic. Um, He contracted uh, what we're told is an asymptomatic case of COVID. He was vaccinated. He did quarantine in the U.K. until I think it was midnight Saturday night. And he's been cleared to travel, but we're waiting to see where his fitness is after that enforced downtime. Whether he'll be, uh, my guess is he'll be sort of platooned, maybe wouldn't start uh, until the second or third match in this window. Uh, But again, even off the bench, uh, a great weapon to have.
1: Okay, so uh, when when you talk about the the platoon, you use that word for for Pulisic. I know that. Bob Bradley had said, look, we're going to call in a bigger roster than we normally do for this because of that triple match window and all the travel you just mentioned. And I was sitting there thinking about it, and I thought to myself, man, if it's possible, if I'm Bob Bradley... I leave half you know, a certain group of my guys that I want to play in Nashville at home in Nashville for this game. I take my crew down to uh, to El Salvador, play that game. Then I come back and I take a, the other half of the guys that didn't play. You know, you know. Then the guys that stayed in America go down to San, San Pedro Sula. So basically, you're talking about guys playing two out of the three games. And not traveling for them. Is that even possible? Because like, I, I haven't sat down, I'll admit, and looked at the numbers to see and what the rules are. Is that something that's possible? Is that something they might do?
3: Mm-hmm. First of all, I think I think you, you're thinking of Greg Berhalter or Freudian slip there. What did I say? With Bob Bradley. Oh, I said Bob Bradley. Yeah, we, <laughs> okay. We're, we're, we're getting ready for LAFC. Oh, my God, yeah, we're getting ready for LAFC.
1: And, and man, how oh, that's terrible. Yeah, thank you for correcting me on that.
3: No, no worries. Don't want anybody to be confused. But, yeah, so it's a great point. Um, and there's, there's a lot of, um, you know, as, as we've gotten closer to these games, um, Bearhalter, who I think over the summer with Nations League and Gold Cup kind of showed a little more personality, was riffing a little bit more, a little bit looser in the media, He's kind of, kind of ratcheted it down a bit just in the limited exposure we've had so far. Uh, those are the kind of details that coaches love to keep close to their chest. Uh, So far, though, I get the sense that he's probably going to want to take guys along just to get the group together, to be in those experiences together. So someone like Kulisic, yeah, there's a, I think there's a very good chance that he, he could stay in Nashville and work on a fitness, but when you look at the sort of intangible, psychological aspects of trying to build the group, try to to, to um, lead a group through these experiences together and have them grow individually and collectively from from those those sort of gauntlets of a road Country Gap Qualifier, I have a little suspicion that he's gonna, he's gonna just bring them, let them stay with the group, let them work kind of with the team, even if it's individual work, and and see what what you know. You just kind of have to experience firsthand in, in some of these environments. So we shall see. Um, we'll be speculating about it. I'm sure there'll be lots of sleuths online checking uh, Instagram posts and that kind of thing to see who goes where. But he has so far, he has not really padded the squad. I mean, I, I thought he might call in upwards of thirty guys to have that kind of option, but he he's called in a, a only slightly larger than usual roster, and he hasn't replaced the one injury um, dropout that we've had already, which is, which is way. So, um, so we'll see again. I think you kind of have a a pro con scenario there and and given how young and, uh, and uh, tough and resilient some of these guys are physically and mentally, I I think maybe they'll, um, they'll all stick together.
2: Okay. I'm going to play devil's advocate here. We're talking about, you know, how important obviously this, this round of qualifying is for the U S and that it's really the only option. Charles, what happens if they don't, what, where do we, where does, where does U.S. soccer, where does you, the national team go from there, if that were to be the case? And obviously it's getting ahead of ourselves, but just, just to why talk it, it, about it. it, it? Why? Because Nate, and I just, you, I have to talk myself down. I can't be, I, I'm already, I'm already I know. I know. We, we, I'm always the positive one, but I'm actually going to to take this angle. Turn
1: your microphone off.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm muted.
1: I love the chemistry, guys. I, mean, I
2: see how you guys We get along well, really, really, yeah. really we're well. We're like squabbling
1: uh, <laughs> siblings over here. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, it's um, Yeah, it's a, it's a sobering thought. Um, and, and again, I, you know, we talk so much about the talent, uh, the unprecedented levels of talent that the leagues and, and clubs that these guys are playing in. Um, but, you know, talent is only one part of the matrix that gets you through the gauntlet of cup and calf qualifying and um, I've been watching this going back to 1098 or so, first as a young fan and later, you know, covering uh, th- these games and this team. And there's just there's nothing like it. I mean, there's 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 so much you have to deal with, and there's so and then added, you know, the in- sort of uncertainty that's baked into the process this time around. Um, I I absolutely understand why people, you know, would have that mentality, Alan, and I think you have to be prepared for for things to get get hairy. I don't think it's going to be a smooth sail um but i think we have to just look back and and imagine sort of the opposite of that old thing about a high tide uh, lifting all boats—you uh, know—imagine what the lower water ebb is of, of a second straight uh, failure in, in World Cup qualifying. I mean, it would—you um, know—we've seen that that the national team doesn't—you know—doesn't destroy the entire game of soccer in this country, but it certainly creates this headwind um, that is—it's it, a psychological burden for the players, for the fans, the whole community. Um, it slows the growth of the, the, the commercial side of things, and it would really. Be uh, really have a sour taste for everyone going into the 2026 cycle, which you know has been this sort of red letter um, sort of monument out there on the horizon of. The next level of this, the sport in, in these two countries, Canada and the U.S., right? The, how far we can go? What's really possible? You know, a real sort of shot in the arm for the game as a whole when the World Cup comes back back to to these shores. So, I you mean, know, imagining sort of a second straight um, um, World Cup fiasco, uh, I think it would really put a dent in all that, which you know stands to make a lot of people money, bringing a lot of new fans, and and really um, take it to some new frontiers if, if things go well.
1: Yeah, let, let's focus on that um, because there is an opportunity here for, for, you know, what maybe the worst thing that happened to U.S. soccer to turn into the best thing that's happened to U.S. soccer here over the next five-year window if if they take care of business. Now they had their media availability today, and, and you and I were just talking about it. The three of us were just talking about it before we took the air, Charles and. and it sounds like these brash young guys, they're not afraid right now of the moment in terms of talking about their predictions, saying they want to get nine points out of this first weekend of three games. Um, is, that, is that good? Is that a good idea? Like part of me hears that and gets a little nervous. Like, Do you really need to put that target on your back? And then part of me feels like you're America. You have the target on your back when you're in CONCACAF at all times anyway. You might as well lean into it and, and, and be cocky and brash and go down there and, and and take on the world. So, I don't know. What was your takeaway from watching all the media availabilities today?
3: Yeah, we, we got about 15 minutes apiece with Tyler Adams and Weston McKenney, who are... You know, two really just outside figures I think in this group, both in terms of their on-field quality, the uniqueness of what they bring to the midfield, and then their personalities. These are guys, you know, uh, wise, disciplined, and driven beyond their years. And so, when when I hear it from them, um, I, I, I maybe I maybe it, it has a little more gravitas than it would from another player of their relatively young age, and because these are two guys that that. Um, have come up to the ranks that have been identified from, you know, pre adolescence almost as potentially special players. They, they wore that, they carried that, they've made it. I mean, they've, and, and I think there's still more to come from them as we see them, you know, in the, in the transfer reports and um, competing in Champions League and, and games of that stature in Europe. And so I think they know without having done it themselves. They've gone on these kind of trips with the youth national teams. They've had these kind of um, just you know asphyxiating pressure-packed occasions um, at the club level. Um, They got a little bit of a taste of things with Concacaf Champions League or uh, sorry, Concacaf Nations League and and Gold Cup. And now I think they feel like this is the time. This is what they've been waiting for for months with this group for years as individuals. And I think they just want to go do it. And so I think when you hear those words from players like that. Um, uh, you know, uh, you're right that it is a it is a, a head-turning statement. It does potentially provide bullet, bulletin board material for the opposition, but motivation is generally not a problem on any side when you get into games of this of this weight. Um, so we'll see. You know, I think you aim for that, even if you fall short. Um, I think even if they get through this with uh, without losing, you know, if you pick up um, five points, seven points, something like that, I think you, you're getting off to a great start. Um, but you know, we'll see again. I think things can get very uh, pear-shaped very quickly in some of these environments that they're headed to.
1: I feel like we have a decent idea about a lot of the players, even though they are young. I think we. I, I feel like there's a list of guys I could say, yeah. I think that's Greg Burhalter uh, His number. <laughs> his uh, make sure I get the guy's name right this time. His his number one choice <laughs> at this position or that position, but up top. I feel like he hasn't found that solution at the number nine yet. And you mentioned uh, Weah being out. Um, How do you see things shaping up in the attack for this window? It's a good
3: question, and there, there definitely is. I think a pretty open competition for that number nine role, and it's, it's. It's such an important position, even even with Baraldi using different formations uh, over the past year. Or so you know they have a three in the back look. They, the, I'd say, the default is still uh, a four, three four-three-three. But in any of them, typically, um, you know the the sort of reference point, the spearhead up top, is really influential. Not only in terms of getting on the end of chances, but also link play, holding the ball up, that sort of thing, and, and that that type of role. Can be so important when you have to soak up a little bit of pressure in a hostile environment on the road, as, as they're you know they're preparing for now. Uh, I still think Sargent probably, Josh Sargent probably has a, a little bit of a of pole position uh, on the field. But um, when you look at um, um, Sibachu Pifok, who is who's is, you know coming in with uh, having played a number of games for his club in Europe, um, has uh, experience of the program knows about Greg's system and also has this, um this sort of burly traditional number nine skill set where he can he's he's excellent in the air. He loves to attack service uh, with his head. Um, I have a feeling that he's going to going to end up being being crucial, whether it's off the bench or probably maybe getting a start in the rotation. Because um, th- there will be times when they're going to need to go direct. As much as we've talked about uh, advanced of philosophies and, uh, under under Berhalter, I mean, I think they're, they're going to get they're going to be pragmatic for at least phases in these next three games.
1: All right, so as we wrap it up, Charles, uh, the players say nine points. What's a good return? How many points does this USA team need to get over these three games to put themselves in a good position? that You'd say, yeah, okay, job done this weekend.
3: Yeah, I think I mean I think 9 points obviously would be ideal from the US perspective. Um even a 7 point haul, um you know, taking 7 from 9 would be uh, I think would be would be tremendous for them. Uh, and to be honest though, I've I, I got a little stick for um you know, some some hardcore US fans for talking about the I think there's a very real possibility that that you come out of this with only 5 points and and I was told that that would be disastrous, but I actually don't I don't think it would be. Um the, the issue again, we talked about unprecedented circumstances for decades, the general conventional wisdom was to qualify, you win at home and you draw on the road. So just you know, don't lose. Um, with eight teams vying for three and a half spots, it's not altogether clear, you know, kind of what the, the thresholds are going to be, what the what the realistic targets for qualification are. So, uh, and again, you know, the, the players have mentioned they know very well that the that in the previous cycle the U.S. didn't win a single one of their their away matches. So I know they want you know that's been a, a topic of conversation this week. So I think if they show, even if they just take you know one victory from the two. Away Matches, I think that in and of itself um, is a big as a big psychological boost that they'll take. Um, but for me, it's absolutely crucial of this window that you don't lose. Um, and again, I know people are going to look down uh, at El Salvador and Honduras a little bit because of the recent, uh, you know, the, the the difference in size and and El Sa- Honduras's recent form. But uh, I think you you know. It's, I can very easily see a circumstance where you feel lucky to get out of there with a point. Um, and then, again, Canada, I think, is going to be a really, really dicey uh, proposition. A lot of talent, difficult um, sort of tactical questions there. So so by no means is that home game um, a gimme either.
1: Hey, Charles, thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we can talk to you again soon and, and talk about how great the U.S. is doing so far in qualifying.
2: Yes, good vibes only. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> hey guys, don't worry. You know, just remember, um, you know, find your stress mechanism, whatever whatever your relief is. You know, uh, a worry stone, something. You know, just uh, we'll get through this. And there's there's several more windows to come. So so nothing gets inside of this month.
1: Yes. Yeah. I need to find a mechanism. That's I think that's the key right there. I, I, <laughs> I need saying, a mechanism.
2: I'm I'm just going to to see where Thursday takes me. Yeah. And- <laughs> Who knows?
1: I'm all for Michelob Ultra, but I probably need another mechanism. <laughs> all right, Charles, hey, Thanks. we'll talk to you again soon, okay? Hey,
3: thanks the, for having me, guys. Have a great show.
1: And follow him on Twitter at uh, CBOEM, C-B-O-E-H-M, C-B-O-E-H-M. Great follow on Twitter as well. And we're going to be back to preview LAFC with Scott French next on the Sporting Kansas City Show. And we continue with the Sporting Kansas City show on your home for SKC Soccer, Sports Radio 810 WHB, presented by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. We are joined now by a man who spends a lot of time covering LAFC, the upcoming opponent for Sporting Kansas City for the third and final time in 2021, Scott French. You can follow him on Twitter at Scott j french and uh, get a lot of great soccer coverage there as well hello scott how are you I'm doing well. How are you doing? Doing fine. And uh, hey, before we get into this matchup with uh, Sporting in LAFC, we uh, we've been spending a lot of time talking about this big qualifying window, uh, particularly for the United States. I'm nervous. I think most American <laughs> fans that are still scarred from four years ago in Trinidad are uh, are nervous. I'm just curious what your thoughts are. Optimism, uh, anxiousness, like uh, just I guess what are your thoughts going into this uh, this next window?
0: Yeah, I, 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 think it's more confidence. I just think that you've got a team that has a very different attitude than the, than the last team that went through qualifying. I think that, uh, Burhalter has done a fantastic job. I know he gets a lot of, uh, a lot of grief from, from fans, but, you know, on the inside, what he's doing is marvelous and, uh, kind of changing Changing a little bit the culture of uh, of the national team, and I think that that's been a real good thing. I really think they're going to do well, but I also think that this may be the toughest qualifying group they've ever been in. Man, I agree with every single word
1: yeah. of that. You know, that's, <laughs> that's spot uh, on. You know, and, and that's uh, I'm glad to hear you say confidence, though, because I think even though I agree with every word of it, I'm just nervous because I don't I don't want to get hurt again. <laughs> well,
2: and and it's okay. It's arguably one of the most talented groups, but one of the least experienced. But on one hand, they don't have that experience from 2017. So, like, is that how big of a positive? How does the Premier League experience translate to now? This, so, you know, it's just like how does some of that experience translate? Which is something that I'm going to be looking to see.
0: Well, you know, they're they're used to playing big games and, and games that matter in front of uh, it, with a lot of pressure because if you don't perform, you're you, you know, you're not going to play. Um, in front of big crowds this is just you know they may be young in age but they're mature in experience and the kind of experiences they've had are uh, are really beneficial once you get into this type of uh, this type of situation
1: all right Scott let's uh, let's get into though this game that, that by the way. We could, we could have a whole conversation on whether or not games like this should be being played uh, during an international window. But here we are. It's been <laughs> the way that uh, MLS has rolled for a long, long time. Sporting KC uh, at LAFC on Friday night. And the big news uh, around LAFC seems to be the, uh, the ever – Ongoing saga. I believe that, in fact, last time these two teams were getting ready to play, we were getting rumors that uh, Rossi might be getting sold that night. And uh, I'm trying to remember if he even played now, off the top of my head, in that game. Considering everything, uh, it, what's the case now? Is is he gone? Is he is he not gone? Well, what can you tell us?
0: Well, it sure sounds like he's gone. Uh, it, all indications are that that uh, he's he'll be at Pinarbaçe before the the week is over. And, uh, and that certainly does change things within LAFC. It, it changes them immensely. So, uh, it's gonna be very interesting, uh, to see them without him. And then if we see him, see him actually playing, then, then we're going to throw up our arms and say, well, you know, can we trust anybody, what
1: they say? <laughs> he did start last time around against Sporting, but I think that was, remember that, Allie,
2: the rumors yeah. that were coming out that game? It's It's been an interesting season, Scott, for LAFC, and, you know, another player that has been, you know, just questionable as far as injury status, specifically Carlos Vela. What, what can you tell us about where he's at ahead of this game?
0: Well, you know, uh, Baylor's injury is, uh, you know, it's, it's soft tissue, it's a quad injury, and it's recurring. Yeah. And so they're being very careful with him. He's he's really kind of day-to-day. Uh, I know they were hoping that he would be ready to play in this game, um, but I don't think there's any assurance that that's going to happen. And uh, and it has affected them because, you know, when he, when he was able to get back – uh, you know, after the after missing a few games earlier this year, it took him a while to find the right rhythm, to find the right chemistry. I think he was hitting the the post or the crossbar more often than he was hitting the net, um, and he had just seemed to finally kind of round that corner where where we were seeing the baila that we saw a couple of years ago, or, or at least seeing seeing uh, moments of that uh, when he when he pulled up with this injury. So it's it's really tough because without him they are a completely different team.
1: So we're talking about the two last golden boot winners uh, in Major League <laughs> yeah. Soccer here in Rossi and Vela, and I will point out to everybody that we're taping this in the afternoon on transfer deadline day. So you might be listening to this podcast later on and know what the official final word is on this stuff, and go, I can't believe they're still talking about this. I just want to put that out there. That's what our timeline is. But but so Scott, with with that being said, you're talking about in Diego Rossi, a guy that. Uh, has won a Golden Boot, Vela, uh, MVP, Golden Boot guy. What in the short term does LAFC, They hey, they still scored three goals uh, against uh, the Galaxy over the weekend in, in El Trafico, if we're still allowed to call it that. Um, what uh, what do they do to replace the scoring attack with those two guys gone?
2: Well, and Brian Rodriguez, who well, scored a
1: brace right, in that game. Right, Yeah, he's out too because of the national team. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's
0: he's gone as well. Um, well, you know, in the short term, they just fill in with people and <laughs> you know do the best they can. You know, Christian Arango really came in and uh, and played well uh, against the Galaxy, and we and we really saw the the first stirrings of what he can do. Uh, and he's really he's probably the first natural striker they've had since uh, they had Bradley Wright Phillips coming off the bench. And, uh, it, you know, a lot of it's about who can get the ball into them. I think they can succeed without these guys. It's a very talented team. Uh, Bradley is, of course, you know, one of the best coaches we've seen in this country. And, uh, and they've been playing well. You know, they, they haven't won in, what is it, eight games now? Yeah. And they played well in that stretch. It, it's kind of a, a really weird thing where they, they deserved much better than they've gotten. Um, and they got used to playing without without Carlos, you know, last season and and earlier this season. They know what it's like to do that. They can still compete. They may not be the team that they were in 2019, and I don't think they're they're that team even with uh, when they have Carlos and and Diego and Brian, you know, all of them available and playing playing at their best right now. But uh, it, you know, they're they're going to be competitive regardless. But uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how they. How they deal with this on on Friday, but how they deal with it going on as uh, you know with uh, Rossi with Rossi no longer with them as long as the uh, everything plays out as uh, as we're expected.
2: So, Scott, what can you tell us about the depth of this LAFC team? Because I talked with sporting assistant coach Kerry Zavagnin today, and he was like, "Look, you know, when you've got guys who are coming in and you know trying to prove themselves, fight for minutes, you're sometimes going to get a team that's." just as if not more dangerous because of that extra grit and fight that they're bringing to the table. And, you know, sporting's dealing with missing players as well and different injuries. But all in all, I, I, I would anticipate the lineup that we'll see just given what we know as of Tuesday um, is that the sporting team's still going to be able to play a, a starting lineup that is pretty consistent with what we've seen this season. Uh, not as many players in and out of the mix as LAFC's dealing with. So what would you say the depth is like and how they match up against the sporting team on Friday?
0: Well, when you look at the guys who are missing, um, you know Palacios has has been playing really well lately. But they've got a lot of depth at uh, at outside back, or if they're playing in the five five uh, or you know the five three two or three five two, depending how you're looking at it. They, they've got cover in that position, no problem. You know they, that's something Marco Parfan just stepped in, and and you're in good shape. Um, with uh, up front, it's a little bit different. Uh, they do have some depth, but you know, losing losing all three of their of their top guys changes things quite a bit. But a guy I really like on this team is Danny Mussofsky, uh who's really more of a, a real striker, and that's why it would be interesting to see him and uh, Christian Arango together uh, if that's how they choose to go. But uh I think has a real future. I think he can be really good for this team. Uh I, I think that you know they're they're gonna be competitive up top regardless. And uh, you know, I think you have to go a lot deeper into their depth before you're starting to worry about okay, can can these guys compete?
1: Okay, so you mentioned that they can be okay up top. And once again, we're speaking with Scott French about LAFC. Um, The the back end is where the biggest problems have been for LAFC so far this year. 31 goals conceded. um, That's toward the bottom of the Western Conference. And Look, we saw when Sporting went there and put up four on them. LAFC had the majority of the ball. They had most of the chances. Now, some of that might have been because they were playing from behind. But still, you know, it didn't take that many chances for Sporting to score. And it seemed like that was the case again against the Galaxy. Can you kind of crystallize? Because I know there have been a lot of issues from injuries to other things. Uh, Maybe a Cliff Notes version for our fans as to what have the biggest challenges been defensively this year.
0: Well. I think one of the biggest challenges that that they've had defensively has been uh, with Mark Anthony Kay with him being hurt, with him being out uh, for international duty. And then they ship him off to Colorado in a deal that was probably too good to turn down. I think they were a different team with Mark Anthony Kay on the field because he does so many things that, you know, would never show up in stats but are so important. And, you know, we've we've seen – uh, Sepuente, so, so, so Fuentes really step up and do some great things for, for LAFT this year, but he's really an attacking player. Um, you've also got, uh, Latif Flexing. He's really an attacking player. Uh, Atuesta isn't a true six. He's really more of an eight. And so you've got really the entire midfield is more attack-minded than it is defensive-minded. And I think that that's really hurt. And we've seen gaps between their midfield and their back line that can be exploited. Things that we didn't see when they had Mark Anthony Kay in there. I think losing him really changes the uh, complexion of this club. And they have to uh, figure out how they deal with that uh, going forward in terms of, of defense. I think their back line is, is one of the best back lines they've had. Maybe the best backline they've had since they started, but it's not as strong when uh, when you've got Eddie Segura. You know he's out with a knee injury; he's not coming back this year, so they've had to fill in. Uh, I do like Mamadou Fall. I thought he's uh, he looked good against the Galaxy, but uh, that's that's one of the areas where you know. You've got some question marks because uh, Segura is so important to that team. They've also got a 20 year old goalkeeper who I think is very good. Uh, I think he plays way above 20 years old. But with youth like that, and uh, uh, and, and a backline that's maybe not at full strength, it is a little bit worrisome. But uh, as Bob will say, you know, you defend as a team, and and they need to be uh, they need to be a little bit better defending higher up the field.
2: Well, and especially against the Sporting Casey team, too, that has you know been creating a lot of chances, not just at home, but on the road as well, and has been especially dominant on the road. But, Scott, I want to get your thoughts on just what this all means for the future of LAFC. I saw the hashtag Bob out already trending. I mean, LAFC fans have been pretty spoiled in the team's short history, but I think the way that this season has gone has raised some red flags. Just How do you... I guess, perceive where this team's at and, and where they're going and, and what changes, uh, if any, at maybe the managerial level would, would come about.
3: Well, this
0: is uh, Bob's out of contract at the end of the year. So that would, uh, that, that would certainly play into all of this. I think the whole Bob out stuff is just fans being fans. Uh, the people I've talked to within the organization say, there is nothing to any, any of the rumors that Bob may be forced out. And I think it would be ridiculous to do so, especially at this point in the season. They're competing for a playoff spot. And as we know, you get into the playoffs, anything can happen. Uh, it's a team that has quality. It's a team that has played quite well You know, since the last time they won was mid-July. They've played very well since then. They just aren't getting results. They're not taking their chances. They're, uh, they're giving up late goals in you know, with, with defensive miscues at different places on the field. Um, and, and my guess is that they're going to look to, to bring Bob back. They're going to look to, uh, to get him a contract extension, probably talk, about, talk to him about that once the season is over. And uh, in terms of where they're going to go from here, You know, I I think they're still looking to be a premier team in MLS. I think that they have uh, the money, they have the backing, they've got the coach that they can do that with. It's a matter of uh, finding the right pieces uh, really all around the field. I I think that they're in good shape in a lot of places. I'd like to see them strengthen themselves uh, in midfield, especially bringing in somebody who is more defensive-minded, you're, you're going to have to replace, replace Rossi. And, uh, you know, you, you've got to find maybe a little more depth on the back line. But I think this is a team that, that can compete for championships, and I expect that they are going to. Um, in terms of this week, we'll see, because, you know, Sporting is one of the best teams in this league. Peter's one of the best coaches in this league. Uh, he's going to have his team ready. And, you know, what, what LAFC is missing it's going to be tough for them but uh, you know in this league anyone can beat anyone and and you're going to see uh, I think a pretty good match on Friday
1: certainly going to be interesting Friday night 9 o'clock central time sporting KC at LAFC Scott French has been our guest Scott thank you so much for the time we really appreciate
0: it glad to be here for
1: you And uh, we will take a break. Actually, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up right now. That's going to do it for us on this edition of the Sporting Kansas City Show. I'll remind you once again, uh, you can check out the game, 9 o'clock Friday night, pregame at 830 on Bally Sports Kansas City. And, of course, radio call here on Sports Radio 810 WHB as well. So, for Allie Trost, this is Nate Bukady saying thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Sporting Kansas City Show.